Neil Malalsaw here with the Twyla After Show podcast. I am joined, of course, with co-hosts Avery Davidson and Kristen Oaks-White, as well as Carl Wiggers, my co-producer and chief partner in crime. We are not just the <laughs> Twyla After Show, but we are the Convention After Show, where it we is. have gone through the 97th Annual Convention of the Louisiana Farm Bureau in New Orleans. And as appropriate, we are celebrating at Miel Brewery in off Chapatulas in the Warehouse District. This area, my God, has changed since I was a boy. But you know what? I like the way it's changed, Neil, because, Ooh, man. you know, when, whenever we started talking about do, doing the, this podcast, the Twilight After Show, this is exactly what I imagined, us sitting around the table drinking, drinking beer. beers. That's what you like. So it's yeah, the Twilight Drunk is. Show. It's not <laughs> the really, it's Twilight Drunk Show. Is pretty, essentially we're what we're turning drunk, it into. But <laughs> we, are, we are well on our way. We've got a flight of beers here, and uh, it's just been a fun show to shoot and uh, a fun time in New Orleans in general. This comes after five or six days here of us uh, going out to some of the finest restaurants in the city, working. reaping the fruit of agriculture. Working, working, working hard. hard, though. Yeah, working, working hard. hard for the Farm Bureau. And that's that's the other thing. Whether you know this or not, we are all employees of the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. So we're here for their annual convention and we're working. So we've been just going 730 in the morning till 930 at night working on these events, making sure that all of our members have the best time possible while they're at our convention over at the Marriott on 555 Canal. And I think that I think it was successful. I think it was, I think it was too. You know? Kristen, what was your favorite restaurant? What's your favorite restaurant to go to? Favorite restaurant to go to? I did not get to go to it this time, but my favorite... Brennan's? New War- yeah, Brennan's. Brennan's. <laughs> you knew it. You knew it's it. It's hard to beat. They got the best, uh, the Brennan's Foster. That's where they it started. Steaks, and oh my gosh. Great desserts, or I think, one great, exceptionally I mean, great dessert. don't get another dessert other than Bananas Foster's. They may have other good ones, but And that's actually, Palace Cafe was really good. It yeah. was really good. It was really I'm good. Not, I haven't been a big fan of Palace in the past, but this was a really good, good time. Yeah. Um, I, Kristen and I actually sat at the table with, uh, at our media, we had our media dinner at uh, On Thursday Palace night. Cafe, where we recognized a bunch of media, uh, media folks from across the state, TV, radio, newspaper. Uh, uh, even like partners like the LSU Ag Center communication staff, different LDAF. Um, but we got to sit with our our guest, Rob Sharkey, shark the shark farmer. And that was fun because we got to introduce him to turtle soup. Yeah. Uh, that is true, yeah. <laughs> Let me, go ahead. He, it was just interesting because he's from Illinois. Right. Mm-hmm. And he was talking, he never met a crawfish farmer, sugarcane farmer. So he was in. He was in heaven. diverse. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you Piece something. He was so impressed that he's actually, he and his wife spent uh, the money to have an extra night in New Orleans. And I, I gave him some, since I'm a native of New Orleans, I gave him some advice of where to go and what to see and get I, out of the quarter, too. I started to try to chime in, and I said, wait a second, there's no better person to tell him where well, to go than <laughs> thank you. Neil. But, but there's, uh, I mean, you can't really go wrong, and especially for new time, you know, yeah. first comers and that sort of thing, they were having a blast. And... He and Emily were celebrating their wedding anniversary while here as well. So this was like doubly important for yeah. them. And I'm I'm so glad that they chose to be with our Louisiana Farm Bureau family and that they felt like they were part of the family enough to where they could celebrate their anniversary with us. They made a big splash. A lot of the young farmers and ranchers really were happy that they were there. We got a lot of good positive feedback on it. Of course, they interview farmers for their podcast, one of which I recommended to them was Mr. Joseph Sitt. A hemp farmer from Kentucky who addressed both the market produce as well as the sugar conference at our convention. He had a lot of 
very interesting things to say. We're going to have some of that, I think, on the show, or we're, but we're going to talk about it right now, which is that he brought people back down to earth. You know, the, you've heard heard the stories about how much hemp is going to bring to you in terms of profit, like $40,000 an acre. And he said, sure, you can make that money, but first you're going to pay ten dollars to $12,000 an acre in genetics alone. You haven't touched labor, you haven't touched expenses, you haven't touched watering. Plus, there's no, there's no uh, pesticides or herbicide labels available for it right what now. Is, uh, where is he from? I don't even know. Kentucky. I didn't, he's from Christian it. County, Kentucky. Okay. So he grow, does he grow it? In he grows hemp, and he's grown it for the past four or five years. And that's kind of the, the heartland for hemp right that's now, correct. isn't it? And it's replacing a lot of t- the tobacco industry is kind of in a nosedive as tobacco usage goes down in this country. Um, they're, you know, hemp is, is they're looking for things to replace it. Replacing it's that is one of those big things. He's got about 240 acres. He had a lot of really good things to say to our farmers to help them navigate a lot of the dangerous waters. One of which is, is that there is no universal standard for hemp right now. He warned farmers that if they, you know, people come in from out of town that say, hey, we've got this deal for you, but it's hush-hush, you can't say anything. He said, avoid it like the plague. Get your money up front, make sure all your deals are clear, and make sure that your sources for genetics are really good. It's just like the old saying, if it sounds too good to be true, it, it probably, probably is. is. And there, I'm very cautious about the whole hemp market because I say hemp market, we don't know what kind of market there is yet. You gotta and have that, somebody to process it. Right. Until you have someone who's going to make a contract with you and say, I'm going to buy what you grow. We are being told that there are some folks who will do that for the next five years. But until I see it, until I hear about some real numbers in Louisiana, because Kentucky has processing there, until I see that for Louisiana, I, I'm still skeptical. I got to be honest. Uh, so. I talked to Roy McIntyre. He's a board member for the Louisiana Farm Bureau. He's a, I've done stories on him before on Twyla. He's from Franklin Parish, where I grew up. And he was one of the ones that was very, very outspoken and, like, at the Capitol often. During, advocating for. Very much advocating for the passage of industrial hemp, the, the bill by Clay Sexnider. And I was talking to him at convention. I was like, so what would you think about the guys that came and spoke about it? He said, oh, we're fired up. I, he has a friend. Uh, I grew up with his son, actually. Um, but a friend in Winsboro who's very much in the um, engineering, the manufacturing world. He's got an engineering background, and um, he is super interested. So I've actually I'm working on a story right now with uh, Roy and Kelly Martin, uh, who's wanting to, Kelly Martin's wanting to be in on the uh, processing side. Roy wants to grow it. They're both in Franklin Parish, so I'm really excited to kind of go and visit with them. They're actually having a meeting at the LSU Ag Center soon. I don't. I don't know details on it yet, but I talked to Roy this afternoon about it, and he said, oh, it's it's happening. So there's some farmers that are really fired up about it, but there's also farmers that I've heard that are saying it's kind of nice to hear the the opinions of people that kind of brought back down to earth. It's not all rainbows and butterflies. Regardless of skepticism and everything else, let's just say that we're happy that farmers have another option it, to not run on the, on the table. Kyle McCann made a, a point his he the thing that he took away from his discussion was he said you know there is no pesticide or herbicide fungicide that is approved for use of this industrial hip right. growing and he said in Kentucky we cannot find anything a fungicide that will work he said we're having 
extreme fungus problems. And he said, Kyle said, well, if you think that Kentucky has fungus problems, he said, come do a <laughs> test plot to test that what fungicide might possibly work in Louisiana. Because if you think Kentucky's bad, we have quite the nothing ground yet. here. Well, and think about that, $12,000 uh, an acre for investments in genetics alone, you lose that to a fungus, you're out $1.2 million on 100 acres, and you haven't even started yet. And what is the, have it, has anybody talked about what the cost for getting the license? Just the license, uh, the permit to grow it would he be? He didn't talk about it. I don't know the numbers on that, but that's another thing because you have to register with the USDA to say that you're going to use this stuff. And the Department of Agriculture and Forestry. So you're going to have multiple levels of regulation. So um, now that we're talking all about rainbows and unicorns, uh, why don't we move on to some of the fun events <laughs> over the convention? I thought the talent contest was unbelievable. I would not have wanted to judge the senior talent contest. No, they, that was some amazing talent there. The young lady playing the violin who won the competition, I was just blown away by her. I thought the girls who closed out the show were absolutely Wagon amazing. Wheel. Oh, yeah. I mean, how can you not clap and sing along with Wagon Wheel? But they sang it well. They, the two of them, the harmonies, I was... And, and, Usually when you have two people singing, sometimes there's a lead and sometimes there's somebody that's adding the harmony. They could both they sing the lead. They were both great. Good. Okay, and on the junior side, the little girl who came she out there, the she was adorbs. Adorbs. How old was she? About she three. was five or so. She was five years old. It was her first time to perform in public, and she was so, oh my God, what a stealer. And that's really the, you know, the essence of what that talent contest is about. Yeah, you want to win and that kind of stuff, and sure, you want to see good talent, but it's also about providing opportunities for these kids. You know, mm -hmm. They may not be the very best or win, you know, who's got America's Got Talent or whatever, but that's not the point. The point is to get them to build that confidence and build these memories for these families. But I'm telling you, there were some in that contest that could stay on their own in, in yes. America's Got Talent because they there were some there was some yeah. good talent. I actually Absolutely. missed some of them, but I got to watch back and I said, man, I am really thankful I was not a judge. The team, the the, the ones that were the groups that played instruments and mm -hmm. there were several of them. The Cheek Boys were really good. Oh my goodness, yeah, those those were some of the best ones that I enjoyed. Well, let's move on from that. I, we've crowned a crown. We had a uh, Farm Bureau Queen. We also had a governor at this we at this uh, convention, as well as several gubernatorial candidates and other candidates from office. One of the things I heard in the sugar conference was how important it was to have not only agriculture issues addressed on the state level, but have agriculture candidates go and run for office. Well, first, I want to say that it was great to have U.S. Congressman Ralph Abraham, the only member of our delegation sitting on the House Ag Committee there. He's also running for governor, knows a lot about agriculture, has a family farm. Governor John Bell Edwards, has a history in the dairy industry. He's from a meat. He knows agriculture. He is a Farm Bureau member, just as Congressman Abraham is. Eddie Rasponi, a businessman from Baton Rouge, was there to meet with our membership. They know that Louisiana Farm Bureau members and farmers and ranchers are energized voters. They are going to go to the polls. They turn out. Every time, all the time and they're gonna pay attention to the issues that are important to them. And you were talking about candidates running. We had at least two people there who are Louisiana Farm Bureau leaders 
who are running for office. Ricky Gosselin in Iberia Parish. That's right. Oh, was Kevin Birkin there? Kevin I, was, Birkin I didn't see him briefly. there. Okay, yeah. Kevin Birkin over from southwest Louisiana, who's running for state senate. And then you have Troy Romero, who is running for the state legislature Who's as well. Who's in the ag leadership class. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about three people who eat, sleep, breathe agriculture every day. If we had people like that in the legislature to represent agriculture, we would have very little to worry about. But instead, we keep putting these same people back with very little ties. And so that's why that's why we preach to you that it's so important to vote for people who know agriculture. And it's important for you guys out there listening, whether or not you're involved in farming and ranching or not, you're just a consumer, you know, you want the very best in food available choices at the cheapest prices. Well, that means our farmers and ranchers have to keep going. And what I need more than anything right now is another beer because mine well, here, is empty. This. this okay. is the Jamaican one. Oh, that's, oh that's the sour, right? I'm going to let him no, drink it's not really that. that. It's the Florida Jamaica. It's got hibiscus. It's not that it's a little sour, a little but sour. it's not a sour beer. We're well, going to move on to some of the story. Oh, go ahead, no, Carl. I was just going to say, I mean, this getting a beer is a perfect segue to talk about the yeah. stories that we came up with from outside of convention and you and avery both we had both some came stories here for for meal tell us a little bit yeah. about that and well i just love microbreweries for, for starters you love any beer let's be honest <laughs> i do i do but i also like the approaches the different approaches that folks take and alex over here at meal brewery and tap room he his dad keeps bees and that's why he uses honey that's why it's named meal because meal is both spanish and french for honey fun fact for the day yeah so you know me one of a couple we got a couple more coming oh gosh you know i've got too many darn useless facts in my head have you been on jeopardy before i've not have you tried out i've tried out for who wants to be a millionaire meal stand meal means what honey it's guys it's miel miel i'm sorry i'm well it's you need it's to kind of it depends. Beer. Yeah. It depends on which side of the bayou came from. What, hey, that's okay. me, what, that's what's meal, the, they then, pronounce it here? Meow. What's right. the honey right. beer called? The honey beer here is called, and I'm uh, trying to remember it, uh, Melifera, which is the um, Latin name for bee. Right. There you random go. facts. So we random got two fact random facts. 672 for today. <laughs> well, I'll give you a random Avery. fact. They use seven pounds of Louisiana honey from Amy, Louisiana, in every batch that they make for that beer. That's super and cool. that's, uh, we're going to go, Avery's going out tomorrow, as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. to go out to Amy and investigate that. The Alex, the his dad is not only a, uh, a beekeeper, but he is a medical doctor and so um, he has just done this kind of as a side project which has turned into this whole big brewery adventure for these guys and just sitting here at the bar just chatting with Alex I, I know Landon's here with us and he was talking about you know what about becoming a supplier for Alex and I feel just, like everybody that listens to this here's Landon and they're like who is Landon Landon is your husband we and all know this right there. everybody knows he's this. we right talk about there. Landon all the time on the show we do but nobody knows Landon I mean, Landon White you are you saying know? nobody cares are you you're saying nobody cares about Landon nobody White. Cares. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. It's just confusing. Landon White is the the husband to Kristen Oaks White. He farms in Monterey, Louisiana, right. Monterey, up by yeah. Natchez, Mississippi. He's the husband, he's the husband to, to he's Kristen. He's the better half. Oh, mm. do, do. He, he's the much better golfer. You want to get some profanity. Avery's only saying that, folks, because he's sitting across from Kristen here at the table. <laughs> well, moving on. Anyways, let's but, move on to. Uh, do you want to talk? So I was talking about. Yeah. So Alex was sitting there 
talking with Landon, myself, Kristen, Monica. We were just chatting about the beer, and he's a genius. I don't know if y'all know. Like, yeah, he's I, I crazy smart. He's, I mean, it's it's insane the, the talk- thing he knows about this brewing process. We were talking to him about finding, making an alcohol for, from some of Landon's crops. And uh, he had the, I thought about sake because it's a rice growing area up there, but sake is a really intensive process. Vodka's a lot easier, apparently, from what, yeah. what he said was saying. We need to give, we need to have a, a, a contest, a sweepstakes, if you will, for somebody that can think of something some kind of alcohol to make with soybeans, from soybeans. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Well, you can make vodka from it. You can make vodka from anything as long as it's got this some kind of sugar. I would want to drink. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. So we were talking about the stories that we've gotten from here from Miel. That Avery is doing the story kind of about the the honey the honey beer they, they brew right here. I somehow found another story that happened right here. I actually called up a farmer from here in the New Orleans area. You've done stories on recently yeah. on Twyla, and that's Kate and Grant Estrade. And they own local cooling farms. They also have Laughing Buddha Nursery. Right. And uh, you got some? Yeah, I, I was just going to say, every time you say their last name, Estrade, I think of Ravenloft from Dungeons & Dragons. Ooh. Count oh Strahd. We just went turn. way nerdy. Ah. Every time. Yeah. Every time I think of Count Strahd. So there you go. Well, Ca- let's, there, let's there's your D&D moment. That'll be, an, that'll be another episode. But I called Kate up and Grant both. I was looking for a hydroponic story urban farm story something in that realm because it's new orleans you see a lot of those urban gardens those little small neighborhood gardens that are actually much more than gardens they're small they're micro farms urban farms yeah so i was trying to reach out to them and she said well actually what when are y'all coming to new orleans on wednesday we'll be at miel for our food pop-up and i said well (laughs) there's my story right there because they were right here at like literally right where we're sitting right now and they had ice chests and bags and all the kinds of vegetables they were delivering to customers here at Miel. And what I thought was great was that was direct farmer-consumer contact in a place where people are already having a good time. I just, I can't think of a more positive experience than that, than getting to talk to a farmer about what I'm gonna, about to go home and cook while having a beer with that farmer. It's cool. She was having, it was really cool because they did some, they had some tri-tip steaks from their farm and, uh, where's their farm at? Their farm is in Bogalusa. It's just north of, yeah, just north of the, the, the lake here. And um, it was neat because she was talking, she's like, tri-tips are not the most common cut so she was right. talking about ways to cook it with her customers and i was like that's that's what's cool about farmers and consumers talking about food and they're both you know a young energetic couple that are getting back and they're getting more and more involved in farming by the way i got in uh their contact information when i did their story from amelia kent a farmer in tangipahoa parish and and uh east feliciana parish who um who does some you know she does beef production and she's a cow calf operator but she does her own custom cuts for contrarios and she was the guest for next week for our field to feast segment which jennifer finley filmed in New Orleans, which I had to get up and go with them to Sobu. Yeah. Oh, man. And, and we're so going to save a lot of this, but I had to have the chef of Commander's Para- Palace, Tori McPhail, uh, cook us a tomahawk cut steak. 
and uh, all before nine in the morning, and Ooh. some potato. I had I jumped on that grenade for you guys. I just wanted you know, to. I'm really glad you took your that boss. Risk. Your boss yeah, really put it on you there. Yeah, that, your boss you know. really put it on you there. The other thing I got to do, which was really neat, while I was here uh, the day before, in a very different capacity from the upscale restaurant, was I was out in the swamp at Big Mar, which is a lake that is gradually over time turned into a swamp and now a forest in many parts that is part of the coastal restoration efforts that are going on and um, it, it was a really amazing thing it was the very first time I got to uh, go out on an airboat and uh, we we saw more than 850 acres of land that did not exist prior to 1994 well, not, uh, really 2005 that's when they started planting trees out there and now you're seeing second generation succession where these trees mostly willow trees but a lot of cypress are dropping seeds out there there's lotus growing on the water out there and the main thing is even where there's open water at big mar it's gone from four feet deep to one foot deep oh, wow. so that allows for what they call sav um, submerged aquatic vegetation and that stuff is uh, what generates a lot of the life and it's generated a new agricultural enterprise out there which is not unfamiliar to the state harvesting alligator and alligator eggs and they're really doing that and this is 1800 acres of new land that the landowners out there can do it because it's private land where they're doing out there one thing that was neat was after you came back you were so fired up you had I some was. really cool drone shots oh my which God, were you didn't stop awesome. talking for three hours at least a few hours <laughs> <laughs> he was like, y'all come look at this come look at this which i don't blame you because they were really cool but one of the cool things was you showed me the google maps satellite versus uh right. just the 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 I guess what the basic, the default look. Right, which when they originally mapped it, which was a big open area, but now it's green, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah. Pretty, it's pretty nuts to see like the side by side. The big thing about the coastal restoration is that area, not only on satellite map could you see that, but what you didn't see was during Hurricane Isaac, that area was under 18 feet of water. And that is wow. less than 20 miles from downtown New Orleans. And so this isn't just, you know, all fun and games. It's a very serious issue that needs to get back that not only grows agricultural enterprise, but also is protecting everyone in Louisiana, far, rural and city alike. And I'm a firm believer, having grown up in South Louisiana, that protecting the coast is also protecting culture. Yes, You it were is. talking about harvesting the alligator, being able to live off the land, being able to live off of the water. That's, that's what, you know... Whenever my ancestors came down in 1751 from Nova Scotia down here to Louisiana, that's what they wanted to do. And that's, to me, that's, that's keeping the culture alive. Well, if you want to make it full circle, Joe Mapes has advocated for that hemp will be what saves our coastline. It is a really good... And it, it is it, a potential it, right. crop because it's like a... Fast aggressive growing. weed. It's an aggressive weed. It holds roots really well, and it could be, you know, something sustainable. Any ideas are good ideas right now, you know, and they need mm -hmm. to do it. But we've also got to keep in mind our oyster and crab guys who are going to be displaced by some of this. And uh, hopefully we're going to see some of the funding there through these disaster programs to help them move offshore a little bit so we can uh, help restore them. Okay, we have some major problems here. I a see one, glasses. two, three, four, five empty glasses, only one flight glasses 
is left, and I don't want to be raised by wolves and drink it. Well, here, I'm going to let you drink it so you'll shut up, and we can all move on and uh, kind of wrap this up I'll here. cheers to that. Yeah. <laughs> With an empty glass or not. Empty glass or not. You know who is has a, a great hope right now is Monica Velasquez, our photographer slash graphic designer. She's standing there like, are you guys going to wrap this up? We yeah. just wrap anytime this up. now. Anytime. I'm going to wrap this up. She's got the wrap it up box you remember from Saturday right. Night Live. It's playing uh-huh. right now. We want to thank both Alex and uh, Janice Montoya who helped us arrange the shoot here at Miel Brewery. Uh, it was just a fantastic thing. They were so very accommodating for them. We can't thank them enough for the multiple shoots and for the multiple um, aspects. We're going to uh, do one last toast here and uh, sign out. Thank you for joining us and listening to it once again. We'll see you next time. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and even share it with a friend or two. Also, if you liked it, go ahead and leave us a review. Tell us what you think about the show. What would you like to hear more of? What do you not like that much? That's okay to hear too. The Twilight After Show podcast is brought to you by the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Louisiana Farm Bureau is the voice of Louisiana agriculture. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you again right here next week.